0: Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. I'm Brendan Draper. I'm Joe Santarpia.
1: And I'm Ryan John.
0: And today we're talking about getting the job. So all the different ways you can work in live sound and how to get those positions and keep them. Yeah. Excited about this one?
1: Be real good looking and be a millionaire. (laughs) A millionaire. (laughs) I I don't know. I, I feel like that works for most other jobs
0: yeah uh, like dress for the job you want <laughs> dress dress like a millionaire yeah actually that's funny we we don't have that as a line item on tonight how, how to dres, dress for dress your dress job. for the job how to, how to, right? <laughs> right. oh man yeah. If, yeah. if
1: you guys remember this before we get to the end of the episode ask me about that because i got a funny story that goes with that one all right Ooh, i'm stoked so I bet it has to do with black cargo shorts <laughs> Camo cargo shorts and a, <laughs> and a ponytail and a chain wallet. You mean? Oh hell
2: yeah! Exactly. That's, that's the, the uniform, that's the man. That's all you
1: need to know. Yeah. So, so I I, I, yeah. I guess where we have to start with you know getting the job is kind of defining what the jobs are that exist in audio, right? So, so the obvious one that everyone yeah. seems to see as the pinnacle job is is front of house. You know, front of house being mixing the show for the audience. And everyone seems to think that right. that's like, oh well, maybe not everybody, but it just seems to be general public that that's kind of the pinnacle job, and it's it it can be for some people, but that's not the job for everybody. I don't know what you guys feel about that. I mean, some people don't don't
2: get
0: it, and some people don't enjoy it. More yeah. importantly, yeah, and it's I think it's just the most it's the most visible one. You know, like everyone in the audience can usually see the front of house guy. So if you glance yeah. over there, you know that that person exists but pretty much everything else is hidden you mean
1: you mean he's you not know, the DJ? The yeah they,
0: they can also hear what he's doing he's not the dj <laughs> <laughs> oh he's always the right. he's the dj like if if you're at right. the next show you're at if you want a song played in between the bands go up to the front of house guy and ask him no
1: ask him if he's the dj and tell him oh, don't man. ask him to play it ask him if he's the dj uh, that's that's the that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah the, the thing about front of house is that um yeah you get to mix the show but your boss in this place is usually management and the band, uh, as well as the girlfriend and boyfriend of every member of the band they 'll sit over your shoulder they'll 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 they 'll tell you you know what they want to hear uh, as well as the drunk guy in the back yeah, he 'll come over and tell say. you what he wants to hear um, what 's fun is right. that as you get to bigger and bigger scale touring uh you get more and more space around front of house so people can 't get to you anymore <laughs> so <laughs>
0: True. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that most of the responsibility of the quality of the show falls no, on the front of house? No, engineer? definitely
1: not. That, see that that's a problematic okay. one because the front of house engineer has a lot mm-hmm. of control over what the audience hears. But if the band can't hear what they're doing, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good you might make the individual things sound, because it's not going to come together. You know. Or at which point, I guess we jump to the next job. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the uh, the monitor engineer. Uh, we talked a lot about monitors uh, a couple episodes back, uh, you know. And your job as the monitor engineer is to mix the sound on stage for the band. Uh, if there's a meltdown at monitors, uh, everyone in the audience is going to see that, even if it sounds great out front and the band is like you know, having serious issues hearing each other on stage, like everyone's going to know that there's a problem with the sound, you know? So that's a big deal too. That's kind of the hot seat, um, super challenging, hectic, a lot going on. Um, but can also be really rewarding too. Uh, you have a
0: pretty yeah, close very.
2: relationship with the band. You're communicating with them at all times, you know? Um, you know, Some I, ups and downs I know I
1: know a lot of people that absolutely love doing monitors, specifically because of how close a relationship they have with the artist. You know, on the other end of things, for in a house, uh, yeah. you know, I know my my artists quite well, but I'm a hundred plus feet away from them, pretty much any time they're in the venue. Um, so, yeah. yes, I get to wave hello from a hundred feet away. Uh, when they get there but i don't get to be right next to them and chat with them and go over all this stuff in the same way when we're doing sound checks and line checks whereas you know in monitors it's a really close relationship i mean i was just watching a video of a show we did in romania last year and i got to one song and i was like oh you know i really like this song and then i had forgotten that my monitor engineer ran out in the middle of the show and swapped her pack in the middle of the show. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he's in the video too. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it's almost like you're, you know, as the monitor, engineer, you're almost part of the band, you know, you're like the closest you are to like be actually being on stage and like interacting with them. And I mean, it's like, like we said before, it's your responsibility to make sure that they can play all well, play well, play good, well. You know, <laughs> yeah. well.
1: You, know uh, you know, one thing that's funny though, well. is that, uh, you know, for the most part, like, let's be real. Audiences don't know that monitor engineers exist, right? They don't know that that's a real job. They just think that the band can hear everything all the time. And they think that what yeah. the band is playing on stage just happens to be what they're hearing. They, they forget that front of house and monitors exist. But since front of house is in the middle of the crowd, it's easy for them to notice, right? Mm. But when a monitor engineer fucks up yeah. and there's feedback, the whole yeah. crowd looks at front of house. Oh, yeah. And they go, what did you do? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yep. So just be aware, if you, if you view front yeah. of house as this pinnacle position, you also get the blame for everything ever that goes wrong. Even if the band is playing poorly, they go, the sound guy sucked. <laughs> when the band plays it's like a fault. champion, they go, the band was great. Yeah. They never go, the front of house guy was great, you know? And... But that's a thing to remember. But yeah, the pressure in monitors is a different kind of thing because the show really does ride on your shoulders in a lot of way. Because the band can't play if they can't hear everything well.
2: Right. It's it's scary when you have like somebody semi famous like yelling at you because you know you're not doing your job well. You know, it's it's. Yeah, I feel it's like we've talked
1: about this, and, and things get thrown a lot at monitors.
2: <laughs> thrown, man. At least in that general direction. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, some words. I've never had anything thrown at me, luckily, but. You know, there's a first for everything.
1: So 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 there is there is the other the other end of things, you know, on, on tour, especially on the larger scale tours, every show gets recorded because it might end up on Netflix or on a DVD or on a webcast or on any of these things. So that in itself is another position.
0: Right. And and I mean that could sometimes be combined with either fr- the front of house or a monitor engineer actually handling the recording during the show, right? I mean I'm, yeah. I'm sure on bigger tours that there's someone, especially if they're going to broadcast, right? There's there's someone else mixing, and then m- making sure that that broadcast feed is great. Yeah, I guess I guess yeah.
1: the best example is like a festival, right? Mm-hmm. So so yeah, there's a truck back there somewhere with you
2: know with guys in there mixing, and you know,
0: and in that situation, depending on the artist, does the does the broadcast engineer receive all channels of the mix and make their Typically, own mix? Yes. Or do- Difference. Oh, really? It's it's
1: actually pretty rare for an artist to use their front-of-house mix as the broadcast mix. It's not a very common thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, when I was out on tour, I don't know, back in 2014 or so, we did a show where the artist heard the broadcast mix, and she knew it wasn't mine because I I gave her my board mixes every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. But she heard the broadcast mix for a huge festival... Um, and she said, this is one of the worst things I've ever heard. And she messaged me and said, you know, is, is this what the show sounded like? And I was like, no, no, no. Here's the link to the show. Uh, here's some, you know, YouTube videos or whatever from people in the crowd at the show. She goes, this sounds great. Why aren't we using this every time? And I said, you can put it into your contract. And she did from then on broadcast by contract had to be front of houses mix and they could blend in audience mics and that was all they were allowed to do and i believe since then wow. I've, I've had that scenario for everyone i've worked with that's some that's pressure cool dog it is some pressure especially since you know listening to these things on a laptop or television is very different than listening to them on a pa yeah yeah totally all right what about uh, some of the people who set all this stuff up ah so all the texts and there's a lot of them there's a lot of them and you know a uh, the techs are an interesting position on stage, right? Because obviously there's techs who, who deal with instruments and things like that. But from an audio perspective, there are a bunch of techs as well. Yeah. Uh, some of the most important, I guess, would be would be like the monitor tech, the RF tech, system tech, front of house tech, uh, PA, and all that. Um, yeah. So just to kind of go through the list, a monitor tech. Um, a monitor tech typically will get the console set up. Then we'll get show files loaded. We'll get everything patched. Uh, we'll get all the lines, uh, between the console and, you know, uh, wedges, RF amps, that kind of stuff all sorted to make sure that everything is ready to go. So that when a band engineer shows up, uh, Either they just start going or they load their file and just start going. And I I guess here's a good point to break down the difference between a monitor tech touring on a single tour versus a monitor tech at a festival as well, because they're a little bit different of a job. If you're a monitor tech touring on a single tour, you've got the same gear to set up every single day. And ultimately, you're getting it prepped so that the engineer for the band can do his or her show. Uh, on a festival, it's a little bit different of a scenario in that you need to keep track of where all your outputs are and be able to get the guest engineers ready to do their show uh, quickly and easily because often the changeovers are really short and things like that. So when you jump into the festival side of it, a lot of it becomes about organization and kind of uh i wouldn't say troubleshooting but just making sure your stuff works exactly as you have described it to those engineers does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah, i'd say so yeah that makes
0: sense yeah and a a monitor tech on like a smaller festival might also be the monitor engineer for the bands that don't have their own engineer that is true yeah
1: yeah that happens a lot on on festivals Mm -hmm. often these techs or engineers will end up filling in for the spaces where bands don't have their own engineers and it can be quite a hectic job i mean yeah. sometimes you'll end up mixing 15 bands in a day right oh yeah. yeah
2: yeah not 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 just i mean at festivals tours and stuff too like a lot of time, you know there's a lot of combining jobs um going around and especially you know with audio um but we'll get a little bit more into that
1: yeah i mean one of the one of the easily combined jobs there is rf right rf meaning you know yeah. radio frequencies wireless it's pretty common that a monitor tech will also be the RF tech on a tour. Uh, once you get yeah. into larger scale stuff and you're into 20 to 50 plus channels of, of wireless, then you pretty much need a dedicated RF tech. But yeah. an RF tech, the job is basically to scan the airwaves to see what parts of the, the you know, spectrum, if you will, are available for you to use for wireless systems. So that includes, you know, wireless in-ears, it includes instruments uh, and, and and various other things. Uh, sometimes the instrument job gets kind of passed over to backline, but those two still need to be connected because you can't have backline turn stuff on that affects wireless in-ears. So the two jobs yeah. always end up kind of uh, sitting on top of each other. And and RF is, is a serious job, man, with with all the antennas and the different ante- antenna types, the different, you know, power ranges uh, and, and frequency ranges for all the different devices, it's it's complicated stuff.
0: I think I think one thing to point out, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but just like all the aspects of these jobs are super important to the show going off well, right? So yeah. having knowledge in these areas like monitor tech or RF tech, especially will help you, you know, get to a higher level as if you're shooting for monitor engineer or front of house, like all knowledge and experience with these things add up to being able to be in those positions too. I, 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 I agree. Think, yeah. From my No, totally, saying, totally. Yeah, to no. be honest,
1: any of these jobs, you need to know a little bit of all the jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, so th- that's kind of monitor world in terms of techs and stuff. But what about what about out in in the house?
2: Yeah, yeah. Other other end of the snake, you know, uh, on a larger scale, there might be uh, a dedicated guy out there. Uh, you know, the system tech, front of house tech, um, whose job it is to basically, you know, uh, call how the PA system is set up. Um, you know, if if they're touring with PA, all the angles and stuff like that, set up the front of house console. Um, you know, and then all the general like PA tuning and uh, you know, um, phase measurements and phase
1: aligning and, well, and um, even, EQing even and even Even as a front of house engineer, you, you often lean on your systems guy because during the show, you can't walk up to the, the 303 section of the arena yeah. to make sure yeah. it sounds good there versus on the floor versus anywhere else. So you have to lean on those guys to, to have them walk the room while you're mixing a show as well. Exactly. And they, their ears are as valuable, if not more so, than the front of house guy. You know, at least at least their ears and their their skill set in terms of getting coverage, right? right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's their that's their responsibility, really. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, ulti- ultimately, their responsibility is to get even system coverage at every seat in the house system coverage, meaning, you know, the frequency response is about the same, the volumes about the same, you know, with some obvious exceptions, you know, front row, it's obviously going to be a little bit louder than, you know, all the way in the back, but you know, as long as you try and keep it as even as you can, that, that is ultimately the job of a systems engineer. Absolutely. Go ahead, Brendan, you were about to say something.
0: Oh, uh, I was, I was going to say like, is it the front of house engineer on those bigger shows that kind of dictates what the even sound is like what what kind of frequency range they want spread around the building like are they the ones that general tonality yeah they do they like dictate to the system tech or is it kind of just like it's is it a two-way street like how do you find it usually in those situations What, what would you say there joe
2: I would say it's probably a mixture, you know, um, there's a front of house engineer always wants what he wants, but there there might be physical limitations to that. So it's a conversation
1: between those two,
2: you know, Definitely, um, yeah. Ever evolving.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I typically find that, um, you know, a systems engineer will do what they can to get consistency in every seat, you know, within the limitations of, of the physical boundaries and, you know, maybe even laws <laughs> but um they'll they'll do that to get it as consistent from seat to seat but then tailoring the sound itself to be a PA tonality that the engineer wants maybe at that point on the engineer you know gotcha. if you've got consistency everywhere and everywhere sounds exactly the same right. then at that point you can kind of manipulate the sound of the whole rig to fit the way you want it to sound and in theory you should be pretty close to having that same sound everywhere. Makes yeah. sense. But, but you know, exactly as Joe said, it is a conversation, you know. And if you're touring with your systems guy, uh, after a couple shows, your systems guy usually learns exactly how you like PA, um, guy or gal. and And they will eventually get to the point where they pretty much can hit your target tonality of PA in every seat of the house. Uh, All the time. I I really do think systems uh, engineering is one of the hardest, most technical and most valuable and most underrated jobs there is, really. 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Especially as someone who doesn't like, you know, know all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's uh, those people are, uh,
1: you know, are the best. It, it's also very dangerous to think you're a systems engineer and pull up smart and just EQ the heck out of something till it's flat. Yeah. And that is not the right way to do things. And properly educating yourself in how systems should be set up and how they should be tuned and all that is very valuable for front of house monitors, honestly, every job.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you, if you want to hear a little bit more about the importance of the system tech position... Uh, go check out our interview with Sully Sullivan, which oh, yeah. should should be out by the time this comes out, I believe, Ryan. Yeah, possibly, probably, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, what else do we got? Uh, we have the people who make the connections between everything. So Patch, Techs and Pa Techs. What's what's their role in all of this? Pa Techs, yeah. They
1: they they'll they'll fly the Pa. They'll be the guys who actually you know get it rigged up and actually throw on the, the the measuring tape and set all the angles and then pull it up into the air and there's they work directly with the systems tech, front of house tech uh, front of house engineer, systems engineer to make sure that the whole system is deployed in the way that the systems engineer has designed it um, usually these folks end up doing multiple jobs because once the PA's in the air they kinda, they're kind of hanging out so often PA tech and patch guy kind of merge into one job. I mean, how valuable is the patch guy? Super oh valuable. Man. Yeah.
2: They better they better be on it, especially in, you know, larger case scenarios like festivals and stuff like that cuz stuff gets disorganized really quick and causes so, so problems. So what right. does a
1: patch what does a patch person do on, you know, a larger festival?
0: They they maintain the patch points for anything going into and out of the consoles from front of house and monitors and to broadcast as well if there's patches going between. So, you know, each band comes in with an input list and, and an output list for their monitors and for uh, their sends to the PA. And the patch engineer is there to make sure all those, get, all those cables get put in the right position for the show to start and for sound to come in and out of where it's supposed to.
1: I'll put it this way, the the worst the worst days I've ever had have been when the patch did not show up where it should have. And I had, I don't know, two minutes of line yeah. check to figure it out before we had to start. Oh they're terrifying days.
0: Yeah, worst show of my life was was that.
1: <laughs> you know, to be honest, if we're complaining that these are the worst days of our lives, I think we're doing okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> Uh, also also not having the lead vocal mic turned on and it being wireless and having it be a dead silent show start with the singer all the way out in the crowd that that was pretty bad too but uh yeah
1: were 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 you on monitors or front of house on that
0: well i was on front of house but i set up the monitor console so that it would have scene changes to automatically do monitors oh, for everybody gotcha. on ears and i had the the house engineer just watching it to make sure it did what it was supposed to do and take care of any emergencies but so um, so
1: at that point was it technically your job to get
0: that on it it should have been i should have like oh, double checked before the show i mean Ooh. i was all the way in front of house and you know i i don't know I, I, hey I, hey, we hey we all you'll, you'll never do that again never exactly never. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So so what a, what about, what about the stuff on stage? Okay, so there is there is backline text as well, right? And backline techs will set up guitar amps, set up bass amps, set up keyboards, um, set up Drugs. drum kits. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are also pretty serious jobs. I mean, on on the lower scales, often the musicians are doing this themselves. On the highest scales, you know, there are maybe techs for each each world. There might be stage left guitar. There might be stage right guitar. There might be a bass tech. There might be a, a keyboard tech. There might be a separate drum tech. Um, you know, There might be a separate percussion tech. These, these are all um, pretty valuable folks. And, and I, I believe when you get to the bigger level of things, um, these guys will also kind of manage their side of the patch too. I don't know if it's, that's, if it's that way for you guys, but it, it is with, with my team's yeah, if you have a bass
2: tech and you use the, you know, direct out of the bass head or something, they'll patch that XLR, typically, you know? Right, something right, like right,
1: that. Yeah, that, that's how it is, is for most of my, my gigs, too. So, like, keys, I just hand him all the DIs, yeah. and then he sorts the rest.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's nice. For the biggest tour I've been on, it's me doing the patching, but the band doing their own backline Their own backline, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, what about Spacebar? Space bar. Yeah,
2: that's a fun one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of artists nowadays are using tracks, uh, you know, to accompany their show, you know, not not just tracks, but to, you know, s- supplemental tracks, obviously, duh. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, you'll need a, you'll need someone who's proficient in audio to manage all that stuff. You know, someone who knows the DAW that you're using, um, knows how to get it connected to the PA and, and going, and hopefully there's some sort of redundancy. So they have all that sort of figured out and set up. Um, they're very close to being a band member at that point. You know, there's a lot of coordination and hitting cues and making sure, um, you know, uh, stuff comes up the way it's supposed Mm -hmm. to come up for the artist.
0: Yeah, they're also super important in rehearsals too, when yeah. the band is prepping for the show. Yeah, prepping. Yeah, I'll, it, you know, I'll,
1: I'll say they probably have the busiest time during rehearsal. Honestly,
0: yeah. yeah, all those like minute changes of level of different instruments in the playback. Yeah, it uh-huh, can be a lot. Uh-huh.
1: Well, where where it gets tough is, is is if uh you know an artist is says oh you know what we we should we should play that three times instead of two times or we should we should hit this part right before that part. Um, it's almost expected that in an instant, playback can make that change, you know, by yeah. adding two measures here or removing a measure there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the pressure on playback during rehearsal is really, really That's high, actually.
2: Yeah. L- like a recording person, you're going to want to be proficient in whatever DAW you're using.
1: Right, right. And then, and then even beyond that, it's there is something to be said for a playback engineer and their ability to keep calm, uh, and the reason I say that is because when a computer just stops in the middle of a song in the middle of a show, um, there are only so many ways you can fix it right so there 's got to be a level of, of kind of um, i don 't really know how to word it you know you just you just have to be really good at just staying solid under pressure Mm-hmm um, and of course, yeah, you know build redundant systems uh, i i, I don 't think I know a single playback engineer who doesn 't uh, hasn 't built their own playback system do you yeah no, I mean you know tailor it to your situation you know yeah yeah so so just just for understanding there, you know in that job you 're also building your playback rig, and you 've got to build a rock solid rig that is either controllable by you or controllable by someone on stage. Um, You most likely need to be able to fly with it to do things like television dates. Um, Your organization for files, filing hard drives, that kind of stuff needs to be top notch because you're going to end up needing to pull things in from all sorts of different places in order to create a show. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough job. And Mm -hmm. as, both Brendan and, and Joe said, you know, you're kind of a member of the band here and it's almost like you're producing the live show by mm-hmm. being in so much control of the the various sounds coming off the stage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how about, how about we jump into uh, the different, I guess, arenas is maybe not the correct word, but it fits, uh, the different arenas where all of this can happen. So uh, well,
1: well, yeah, I, uh, I guess we just keep talking about music, right? Because the three of us, we do music. But yeah. but there are other types of audio. I mean, we've got music, we've yeah. got theater and corporate. I mean, yeah. what's, what's the difference there, Brendan?
0: Well, I mean, the difference is mainly the content and the audience, you know? Like, what is being presented and who is it for is going to determine a lot of the aspects about what, what your job is and what you're doing. So, if we're talking music... Our, our job is to entertain, right? And to have that entertainment be the best it can be um, for theater. Same thing, but the content is a little bit different. You know, maybe there's a lot more talking, maybe it's all talking, no singing, maybe it's singing and music. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, corporate, well, there you're, you know, you're mostly doing talking heads. You're doing playback. It can get, pretty complicated with the things that people want to do now and you're probably going to get if you're going down that road you're going to want to learn like av so audio and visual aspects of things so that you know what's going on definitely
1: you're definitely going to be dealing with people that don't know how to use a microphone yeah Yeah. they'll be holding it down at their knees and expecting it to you know pick up their talking
0: right you should probably learn powerpoint too because most people don't know how to use powerpoint (laughs) that too and and
2: you should get a black button up shirt and uh, yeah, black the, slacks the dress, as well.
0: I guess the dress code is... This is where we get into the dress yeah. code, mainly. Yeah. Well, well, you know, bef- before we
1: jump to the dress code, though, just, just in terms of those three, music versus theater versus corporate, right? Music, it, it's kind of seen as the fun one, I guess, right? So everyone mm-hmm. views it as, as a cool, fun job, right? But music roll. also runs in short tours. You know, mm-hmm. your tours are maybe five weeks at a time, and then you kind of come home. And then if you're only working for one person... They might go away for uh, eight months to do a record and then Mm. go out again. So music is a very inconsistent um, income unless you work for multiple people. Whereas theater, a theater show might rehearse for three months and then once it starts, that show could end up there for 10 years, at which point you've got two shows a night for 10 years, five to seven days a week. Um, It's, it's pretty serious. And, the the difference, too, between mixing music and mixing theater is, you know, you, you, you pointed out that it's dialogue versus singing. Uh, music, for the most part, one instrument's doing one thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. In theater, it's not one singer. It might be 30. And it might be 30 different actors that come on and off and, and speak and then go between speaking and singing. And mm-hmm. the things you have to do tonally to make speaking versus singing work are completely different.
2: Totally different.
1: And on mm-hmm. on random days, Bob might come in and fill in for Bill because Bill's sick. And when all those things change, you need to be able to manage that. It's mm-hmm. a very different workflow to keep up on, on theater. And then mm-hmm. on the, the other end of things, you got corporate, where, yeah, it's a lot of talking heads and a lot of technical stuff. Things like getting projectors working because you do end up doing more than just audio if you're doing corporate, but corporate's often salary or like really consistent paychecks. This is good money. Typically. Yeah. This is where you, yeah. that's
2: also, also where your cable management skills will come in very, very uh, handy. Cause that's super important.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, well, and not, yeah, you know, and also sorry, go not, ahead, Brendan. not, not, to say that you can't do like different things, you know, like you could yeah, work yeah, you in a venue one around, night and work in corporate during the day couple days a week and you know do theater on the weekends or something like that like it it's possible you know i mean i totally yeah probably the people that are doing it at the highest level are doing that one thing now but they may have done like a ton of it a ton of different things before they got to that point
1: definitely you know to go with what joe just said you know cable management and corporate that kind of goes with the whole thing of the look in music, yeah, you can kind of wear whatever you want and, and and do a show, and it's it's about the music, and it's expected that it may not be you you know you're not wearing a shirt and tie right, or, or and you it's a little bit more relaxed in general vibe. Theater is a little bit less relaxed in general vibe, right? Because the people that go to theater often dress up and it's quite formal. You don't really get to yell things in the middle of the show. Not that I'm saying you should do that in music, but people do that. You know, it's a mm-hmm. different kind of environment. And then corporate, you are working for a client and you need to fit the client's aesthetic for what that gig is at that time. You know, if it's, if it's a corporate gig where they're trying to be all cool and like everyone's casual, yeah, maybe maybe you can get away with you know, wearing a t-shirt, but typically on a corporate gig, it's, it's, you know, show blacks is what they call it, right? Where mm-hmm. you wear black shoes, black pants, black shirt. Or neat um, work blacks. Yeah. Or neat work blacks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot more particular, you know, there's, there's different kind of vibes to each, I guess is the better way to say it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about the difference between working at, at home and working on the road? Oh, we're getting, oh boy,
2: yeah, we're, we're we're dipping into that a little bit with the corporate, though. Corporate can be traveling too, but um, yeah, what are some advantages and
1: disadvantages? I guess of each. You know, it's it's I, I have a hard time calling one an advantage versus a disadvantage, really. Mm-hmm. But they are just different lifestyles. You need to be prepared for. You know, if if your intent is to be on tour, you need to understand that you don't have a consistent bed. You live out of a suitcase and you won't sleep much. You get on a lot of planes. You'll get yeah. tons of air miles, though, which is great.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. A little perk. And, you, you know, if, if you feel like actually traveling for pleasure after you do so much travel. <laughs> <then tour. laughs>
1: yeah, that's a real thing, man. It is a real thing to to have to find a way to want to travel. Yeah, um, after, after being on a lot of for this six stuff. months. Yeah, totally. But, you know, one of the perks there is that you do end up working with one band for a, a long period of time, right? If you're touring with yeah. a single artist or touring with a single theater production or touring with a single corporate uh, thing, you get to hone in and dial your your event in so well. Um, yeah. You get to do things like virtual sound check where you can record it and listen back and kind of, uh, you know, just, just tweak it every day and get it better and better. Whereas if you're working in one city and working for, let's say, a venue, or even, uh, yeah, you know, a venue, then you don't really get the opportunity to do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, though, there, there, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a pride you take there. Totally. Yeah. But on the other side, there are music shows that are in one place, you know, like these Vegas residencies. There are theater shows that are in one place, most of them, honestly. And corporate, you can do gigs where they are recurring, where they happen, you know, every week or every month. Mm. And in those cases, you still can kind of take in a little bit of that tour mentality of being able to tweak it and get it better and better every day. Totally. So, what what about the paths to getting to these jobs? I mean, these these are, these are the, the, the 10 plus jobs that, that exist in, in audio. Um, yeah. At least in, in live audio, that is. Yeah, so, so what how about, do we... How do we get there? How do we you get know? There, yeah. What's
2: what's the what's the pathway? Well, um, I guess we'll start with maybe the what I think is probably the most beneficial if you're looking to get into live sound. Um, And that's, that's the company route Uh, working for a sound company or a rental house. um, These are companies that own large amounts of PA equipment and deploy them at various events all over, you know, however far their reaches, you know, uh, these are the companies that provide the sound for festivals or for, you know, or for out these corporate events that are, are set up and not in a, are not being held in like a a regular venue that has their own PA system. Um, Right. right. There's uh there's there's ups and downs to this too, uh, you know. Um but the the more most important thing I'd say is is that's your that's the pathway with like the best educational value. Um Mm -hmm. if you go work for a sound company, I mean Ideally, most of the time you're gonna learn a lot from the people there and from setting that stuff up every day and tearing it down and You know repairing it and and maintaining it and hearing it through across its life and hearing what it does as it deteriorates you, you learn so much and um, and you find that there's a lot of
1: typically very knowledgeable people working for those companies as well um, Yeah, especially since you know when, when you start working for a sound company you usually start by pushing boxes Yep. and then you go to you know you upgrade to coiling cables yeah. and then you upgrade to putting speakers on stands you know what i mean and as you mm-hmm. go through each of those steps you know you start with these boxes you just hear a bunch of letters and numbers right like you know uh that are the names of different speaker types and and different consoles like everything is just a letter and number in audio you know uh, mm-hmm. so you kind of learn what all these things are slowly in that then you move on to cables now you know all the different cable types you know what plugs into what and then you lear- end up learning which amps go with which speakers and yeah, pull, things pulling like orders, that. You, know, you know yeah as you're going through it from the bottom there you learn a lot of basics before you even get to you know actually mixing a thing or yeah
0: right and uh jumping into the next path, I mean, there's the music venue path, right? So getting a job at a house a venue and being the house engineer, um, you could could work between I don't know, depending on how many engineers, there's usually a pool of them that the venue calls in for every gig. And if they've got front of house and monitors, then it's two. and if it's just front of house with uh, doing monitors from front of house, then it's one engineer per night. Um, so, you know, you could potentially get a ton of gigs from one venue or work at a bunch of different venues and kind of bounce around from night to night in your yeah. hometown, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think it gives yeah. you a, if you, if you're going that route, it gives you like a great variety of work experience, you know, especially if you're doing multiple right. venues, right. Or, or genre variety too, because yeah, you're working one venue, it's gonna, it's probably probably going to be different types of music every night um yeah, yeah so you know, learn a lot yeah, it makes sure. you
2: versatile you know if if you're mixing yeah. it that, that'll that'll up your chops quickly you know as a mix engineer mm-hmm. all, different bands yeah. come in and every and all different types of sounds you know going on from night to night
0: yeah I, I, and i think where it's it's a little limited compared to going the sound company route is that you don't have to set up all the gear every night right it's just there like you plug right, microphones yeah, right. in you put up stands and you're pretty much ready to go yeah
1: yeah and and if you're working in one venue they've got you know one front of house console one monitor console you don't really get to try different stuff on every every single gig you do whereas in a sound company depending on the budget of the gig you may bring out uh this or a that and you might be bringing out different pas each time Mm -hmm. Um, but also a good point to note though is that just because you're working at a venue doesn't necessarily mean you're doing front of house or monitors. There are patch people at venues too. You know, there's yeah, RF techs get pulled in for things like that too. Backline gets pulled in here and there. Like, you know, broadcast even gets pulled into venues. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of roles you can do while working for one place. And as Brendan said, you know, if you work for many places, you end up with even more roles and with so many different bands coming in, your networking is amazing. Every single band that comes through your venue is a potential job True. if you wanted to go and tour with any of those artists or or just work for them in any way every single one of those is a possibility and same yeah. with every single person you work with in that venue every single person that yep. you work with there can pull you onto a gig yep. yeah totally so the networking is amazing
0: yeah it's a great great networking like yeah literally everyone who works at that venue could potentially get you work somewhere else you know yeah. everyone who's working there is you know into live music that's why the primarily the reason they work at a music venue. So, you know, it's a, it's a really good situation to grow your, your network yeah. and get more gigs. Yeah.
1: And then Make- an, another path is to just work directly for a band. You know, maybe maybe your friend's band goes out and does a lot of shows um, and they need somebody to work with them. You know, and, and again, it, it doesn't have to be front of house. It could be they need monitors. It could be they need someone to, to, to build a playback rig for them. It could be that... You know, they need patch. All those jobs exist in almost all these paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, a smaller band, the first thing they'll bring is someone to mix front of house for them. Right. Right? Um, yeah. And as you travel with a band, that band plays shows with other bands. You play in many venues. So you end up getting your hands on plenty of different gear. You end up networking tons. But for the most part you end up working with a single genre because it's one band and you end up working one single role because it's one band so if you jumped in with them as front of house you're really only gonna educate yourself deeply on that now you might end up doing little bits here and there where you help out with with getting their monitors up and running or or you're also doing their stage patch um, or you're also doing you know a couple other roles but for the most part your focus role is quite singular right and then uh you know and then there's the the non-live
2: uh route you know there's there's the studio um my first job was in a studio it happened to be owned by a band um which got me into live kind of you know simultaneously but uh you know some some advantages to that you know uh i guess lending to your a uh, live sound career would be uh i would say l- critical listening you know uh we talked Definitely, about that yeah, yeah uh with men with manu a little bit you know just about how a lot of live people skip that part it's it's so much about speed and technique you know and technical knowledge and and patching and getting the stuff up and running that um sometimes critical listening takes a back seat and um that you know that in the studio is where you really hone in on that skill and you sit in front of something for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours you don't have that luxury in the live world you know we've talked about that as well um but it, yeah. it's still a good skill to have and uh, will help you.
1: Well, you know, from that, one, one thing that, that's really good about studio time is, is, you know, related to that critical listening is you can take a microphone and you can move it 15 times before you go, yeah, that sounds good. yeah In, in most of these other paths, you know, on a sound company gig, uh, working at a venue or even working for a band on tour, you don't typically have that kind of time to educate yourself in the way that you can in a studio. You don't really get to go, let me hear what this snare mic sounds like at at 45 degrees. All right, now let me hear what it sounds like at 30 degrees. Let me hear what it sounds like two inches out. You don't really get to do that in those other paths. But in a studio, you do get to learn all that stuff and then you can bring that education over to doing touring sound if that's what it is you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Plus, you also just learn a lot of different microphones and a lot of different, you know, audio processing in a lower pressure environment where you don't, have to get it done in 10 seconds you actually get three days to mix this single
0: yeah right it's good to know the the difference between the studio and the live world too you know like understanding where your limitations are in both arenas i think helps definitely yeah you know Mm -hmm. and then uh lastly for paths into this career uh how about school like actually getting an education at a university or something How like about that, it of that kind How about it i, I went I to mean, full did, sale did you guys oh yeah joe you went to full sale
2: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, graduated oh seven or something it was cool it was great nice. you know you learn a lot it's a it's a great foundation um you know uh I, i'm one of the few people who maybe actually directly got a job through school uh uh where there was like a message board and you know i I for a, for an internship at a studio, and I went on to actually like get that internship, which turned into an engineering job. I feel like that's pretty rare, and don't expect that going into it, but
1: uh it is possible, and it it did prepare me for it. You know, like so you you went on to do an internship right after that, then yeah, yeah, for about and, and six yeah, months, and then and then that turned into the job. Nice,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had a similar story. I went well, I had already gone to like get my bachelor's in economics at university of San Diego. And then I came back and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I went to a community, <laughs> <laughs> I went to a community college and uh, did recording program there, which got me an internship at a studio, which led to live sound. So it was kind of that like stair step route. Was to that get the in. internship and, where I met you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, at fantasy. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: And and for those of you that don't know, fantasy studios is a world renowned studio. Famous for tons and tons and tons of stuff. Hey, it it doesn't not exist yet. It still exists. Are you
0: sure? Because like I hear differing things every day. We don't. We shouldn't get into it on this podcast. But I hear different things. I don't know.
1: Let's not. Let's not jump too deep into that. But uh, you know, it's it's funny because I guess yeah, all three of us did get some sort of audio education. You know, Um, because I did as well. Um, I got yeah degrees in audio and the best part about it is is similar to studios you get a low pressure environment to experiment in everything and you get to actually be taught the basics rather than just picking it up on the fly now mind you being told something is very different than learning it because an artist just threw something at you um so
0: you know (laughs) you mean physically through something through the air or through an idea at you
1: Oh, I'm i physical objects. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I keep bringing up mo- uh, you know, shit getting thrown at Maunders, guys.
0: <laughs> you learn you learn how to it's duck. It's easy. You learn how to <laughs> duck. Yeah, you learn how to duck. <laughs> yeah.
1: But but what what I was going to say though, even the school path, that's step one, and then from there, you're probably going to jump into one of these other paths we kind of laid out, anyways, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, one that we to- to- I totally forgot to talk about in our little. Uh, preamble here but i think we should totally bring up is uh, just to get it out there uh the union um union work is oh, fantastic yeah. it pays great and uh if you don't know what i'm talking about there's an organization called iatsi the international alliance of theatrical stage employees um and they have uh chapters all over the country and uh you know and provide work and if you're
1: not in the united states too bad uh no there's
2: there,
0: <laughs> are they in kidding, canada no, there's, there's in, international
2: everywhere. yeah yeah sorry yeah, um yeah. but uh yeah great high paying work and uh educational as well similar to maybe a, a company environment but um yeah mm-hmm. look into it
1: yeah you know the only com- complexity with unions is how to get into them but it's it's a little different everywhere so you know f- figure that out figure out what figure your it options out. are and, um, you know, spend some time just to look into it. You'll also meet some really, really smart people that have been doing this for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Long time. Yeah. You know, there's, there's one more path that we left out, and I thought you were about to call it out, mm. but it's uh, houses of worship, churches. Oh, oh right? wow. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, totally. I,
1: I can't believe we we skipped over that. It's probably because none of us work in them. But, yeah. Um, I
0: do, occasionally, actually. Well, <laughs> no, then, very it's your ra- fault. For, it's my fault. Very rarely, though. Once, <laughs> once, Once in a blue moon. <laughs>
1: i i I will say you know depending on the size and and where you are and all that you know houses of worship go from being you know 200 person rooms with with a couple speakers on sticks to having better you know tour production and better venue production than you know the beyonce's of the world i've been into um houses of worship where their pa and audio system is three million dollars they got that better than anything i've ever toured (laughs) um so it's, it's a really good path because if you are brought into a house of worship or church, um, you know, typically the person to get in touch with would be a technical director or, you know, uh, really anybody in the church can kind of point you in the right direction, but they'll pull you in and they'll pull you in at the level you're at and they will teach you what you want to know, um, in order to, you know, do the best events. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good environment to learn in, um. Yeah, I, I don't know what, what more there is to, to say than that, but it is a really good and, and an easier low-pressure environment to start in than a lot of these others.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, how do we go about getting a job?
1: You write a resume, and you send it to people, and then they go,
0: you're hired. <laughs>
1: in audio, um, huh?
0: But but then that way, does, doesn't work that way? Yeah. <laughs> Then wait a few days to email them back. You know, give it some time.
1: Yeah, Yeah, wait a few days for them to ignore that reply as well, right? Yeah. 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 You know, so we did kind of break down that there are different uh, kind of avenues of audio here. You know, corporate, theater, music. Some of them do want resumes. Corporate almost always wants a resume. If you're going to go start Mm -hmm. working for a company that does primarily corporate gigs, they're going to want a resume because they want to know... That not only do you know the technical stuff, you also can follow directions and you are organized in in a corporate manner such that you won't be out of place in those spaces um, a lot of music stuff and and theater as well relies a lot less on the resume um and instead kind of relies on word of mouth it's mm-hmm. it's all about your network yeah. really i mean Joe, how did you get most of your gigs? Once you were in that studio, how did everything else come?
2: Every, like almost everything else came, not directly from that, but it's 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 primarily word of mouth. You know, um, it's oh, there's so many people who I don't know. I guess, say they can do audio, but probably, like, you know, their their experience level might be questionable kind of thing. So, a lot of so times... Are, are you making fun of our listeners? No,
0: <laughs> no because... No, 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 that, that's, Whoa, as, that's
2: assuming that they're going around telling people they're, you know, the best front-of-house mixer on planet Earth. No, it's just, I am. it's just that it, it comes by... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, Ryan John. It, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Who would dare... <laughs> Um, it, it's, yeah, no, it's, um, God, what were we talking about? Uh, word of mouth. It's, <laughs> it's, prim- it's primarily word of mouth. You know, people usually get hired by someone who heard, who saw you work or heard your mixer, you know, they, they know what you can do more or less. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one, one thing kind of leads to another, you know, as far as that goes, you know, that's, that's, that's- you know, going back to the venue thing. That's why that is kind of a, uh, a good place to like get picked up to go on tour because you know you're innovative right. you're working with a band who comes there on tour maybe with they, maybe they don't have their own engineer and you you do a great job they have great sound they have a great time and a great show because they had this awesome person who was super sick to them you know really nice to them and 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 was um you know just made them comfortable and made them sound great and uh and then you know and then they ask you to go on tour and that's how it happens you know that's uh that happens every day you know
1: Brendan, was was it kind of the same for you in terms of your path? Like from that internship forward, like what? How did things come along? Was it resume? Was it network? What was it?
0: uh, A little bit of both, but I mean, for all the music gigs, yeah, it was pretty much word of mouth. Like one of the engineers at the studio recommended me to his friend who owned a bar, like bar venue, and I started working there. Um, I did I did do some AV work, and for that, I did have to obviously do a resume and do like a job interview and everything. Um, but yeah, mostly it's been word of mouth or if I meet some, you know when I meet someone in a band that I really like, I'll like talk to them and try and make friends and you know, ask them if I can mix their show the next time. Um, and then I, I think what's really important too, is just like staying in touch with all the people that you've been working with. So like the last tour I did was just because I emailed uh, a TM I knew um when I was kind of like low on work and I emailed them and ended up going on like, a month long tour in November, which is usually pretty dead in terms of like local gigs and stuff like that. So, you know, staying in touch with people and uh, just reaching out and, you know, maintaining friendships. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, definitely. Definitely. I I agree with it a hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that I've only gotten a handful of gigs ever from my resume, but, um, a lot of the larger scale gigs I do these days, um, they'll often ask for a resume after they've basically already confirmed you. They go, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good, you're good. Can you send me a resume anyways because I need to have it for management yeah. so that management can keep it on file? Maybe so they can just look at it and just make sure you're not just some random guy that's brought in. But where this gets really interesting is that a lot of people now will send me a resume say, hey, this guy wants to work for us. Uh, you also worked for this artist. That's on his resume. You know, do, do you know him? Uh, mm. Have you have you met him before? Do you want to hit up the artist and, and see if they have anything to say? And yeah. the number of resumes I see that come in that are just outright lies on those resumes—it's amazing, and uh. they get caught every single time. You get caught because in this world of of pro audio everybody knows somebody that knows who you're talking about. Yeah. So
2: it's a a sort of small community and it's pretty tightly knit and word gets around quick.
1: Yeah. So don't lie in your resume. I I see it happen a lot. Um, But you know, there's, (laughs) there's also a a phrase, uh, your last show is your resume. And I, I, I remember being told this a long time ago and I didn't fully understand it at the time. But then as I kind of kept touring, I kept getting hired by people who happened to be at the gigs that I was doing. So maybe I was mixing, you know, the the second band of three, and some friends of the headline band said, man, that sounded awesome. You know, you should come mix our band. And I ended up getting pulled onto that tour. And then it kind of just kept happening over and over and over again. And I kind of finally understood what they meant by your last show is your resume, because... If you do a bad show, um, it's not always obvious to everybody else what the challenges were in the show. They just see a show and they go, ooh, it was rough. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they can easily assume that it was you that made it rough, Um, especially if they're friends with the artist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where don't ever take any show, just because it's smaller, don't take it less seriously and treat it like it doesn't matter um i still go do random shows with a lot of bands um that just play well not a lot of bands there's a handful of bands that i do random shows with where we do 152 50 300 cap rooms and on the last one i did which was only a few months ago at the end of that gig a couple people that were friends with that band came up and they said hey you know we're we're doing a tour in the fall do you want to come out and do it with us i ended up finding out who the artist was and it's like three nights at madison square garden type gig nice it was it but it was it could have been very easily uh, could have been very easy to just kind of treat it as a throwaway gig cuz it's in this tiny club for some right. band that's not super important but you know again it's a small world everyone kind of knows everyone so
0: it it yeah
1: it it matters
0: yeah so basically just just take the gig seriously every time you do it you know, know. do the best you can do and yeah and what about like i mean when you guys were starting out, did you jump on any gig that you were offered or like I took everything.
1: Yeah. Mhm.
0: Same same here. <laughs> I mean, same here. I still almost do, but not <laughs> not to the same extent. Um There there's a hunger, especially starting out and and there's also yeah. the whole, you know,
2: thought of like is this when's the next gig going to come up, you know? Do I need to take
1: this financially, you know, uh well, well, that's the other thing. I guess when you're starting out, you're not necessarily commanding the same rate as when you've been doing it for 15, 20 years, right? So right. you doing five gigs might cover you for, I don't know, half the month, as opposed to when you're on like the top scale of things, you doing one weekend could cover your whole month. You know, it's it's right. a little different. So when you are starting out, uh, there is a huge incentive for you to say yes to absolutely everything. Not only because it fits. It phys- financially affords you it but also just because you're, you're yearning to do it right and you want to network and you want to get in front of everybody
0: right right and I build mean, up that, build up your experience behind the desk or at whatever job you're doing you know
1: totally So, so brendan you did that when you started out
0: oh yeah definitely definitely said yes to everything i mean i had to make money too you know like did, i was did you ever regret it saying yes to things yeah <laughs> uh in the long run in the long run no but it, there were definitely moments where i was like wow this gig Ooh, you know just like a deep <laughs> you just got to take a deep, deep breath sometimes deep breath sometimes you know you're like wait wait i'm mix it. i'm doing monitors for 15 bands today oh man Ooh, breath in you know which gigs i'm you know, but, me and you were on those same feel- gigs yeah
1: do you but, feel like it was worth it though at the yes. end of the day though to have dealt with that in order to kind of move forward?
0: Yes, definitely. I think it's all the experiences are worth it, you know, the good and the bad. Like the bad definitely. even the bad even more because then you know you know that that's a possibility that things can go wrong in this way or when someone right. offers you a gig, you can like, think it through a little bit in your mind and be like, hmm, what are the pitfalls of me taking this gig and, like, what could happen? And, yeah, I, I, I think those, those harder experiences are probably more valuable than the good ones. And, I mean... Definitely. Sometimes they stand out in your memory, like, more... Th- unfortunately, like, the, the rough moments sometimes stand out longer than the... Uh, you
1: mean, like, that, that, that show we did where it was, what, 20 bands at the Fox Theater?
0: at the fo- oh yeah the green the green Nin-
1: 90 inputs
0: yeah i i wasn't actually engineering at that time i was stage managing which oh you, know, you got lucky i got i got lucky on that one but i was there for the other ones the one the beatles one um right right i had i had a moment on that one that was that was a rough one for me but uh, you yeah.
1: know you know one thing i do want to say regarding this 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 whole thing of saying yes to everything is don't go back on what you've said if oh, yeah. you have said yes to a gig, yes, don't back out of it unless you can get someone to fill your space. Because people do not forget that if you if you bail on someone, you've you've kind of blacklisted yourself to everybody that person knows.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I try and hold myself to if I say yes to something, just like if something else comes down the pipe for that same day, I will try my hardest to stay committed to the. The first the first thing i was offered unless i can find an excellent replacement for myself yeah. you know on that gig like and, I, and
1: even <laughs> then even then you know whomever hired you needs to confirm that that replacement is acceptable for them to take you can't just go yeah. hey guys i'm leaving uh this guy's gonna do it instead it doesn't yeah. work that way
0: definitely yeah and make sure that communication is super clear too especially if if yeah. you're a house engineer and you're communicating with the house manager about like swapping shifts or something like that i've had that happen where right you know the email wasn't confirmed and then they expected someone to be there and they they weren't there so they had to like fill it less Oh minute. boy yeah yeah no right problem.
1: right but but i guess that leads to the next thing you know uh, the opposite is there is there a right and wrong way to say no to a gig cuz i think there is yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you you know, once,
2: once you know, because obviously everyone listening to this, you're going to become this fantastic engineer and the gigs are going to be flowing like water. Of you course know, just, they are. Just, just, just waterfall of them, you know, just raining down upon you. Um, and just raining gonna, money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eventually you're going to have to learn to not say no to everything and you're going to have to turn some stuff down. Um, you mean
1: not say yes to everything. Yes. Or,
2: yeah, sorry, not <laughs> say yes to everything. Um, you know... i I guess how i would put it is don't necessarily show all your cards if you know if you're approached by an artist and you know that that artist is a nightmare and like really hard to work with and that like you probably aren't gonna enjoy yourself on that gig don't say oh no i don't think i you know don't don't even say i'm not interested in working with that artist say just say you're not available you know, just default right. to you're not available. Unfortunately, I'm not available. Honestly, can't really go wrong with should,
1: that. Should we preface this with, like, what are the reasons you would say no to a gig? You know... You know, there, like, for you, a, Joe, what are the reasons you'd say no to a gig?
2: Well, it really depends. There's so many There's so many factors. Um, there was a... Uh, I, 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 I can't remember who it was, and I'm sure this is, like, one of those sayings that goes around with, like, really crewy dudes or whatever. But, you know, they say... Uh, you know, two of three things has to be good. The money has to be good. Oh, the people right, have to be right. good, or the music has to be good. And I guess that applies more to touring. But um, the money, the people, or the music—you know—and you have to you have to yeah. pick two of those, and 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 two of those have to be in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that at all at at all times. But you know, it's situation specific. You have to look at what your values are, and you know, do you need money at the time? Do you are you having some mental uh, are you are you mentally stable enough to go out on the road at, th- at that time? Are you mentally stable mm-hmm. enough to go out on the road with that artist at the time? How's that gonna affect your relationship at home? There's so many things to consider. Um, yeah, so, I think uh, that
0: that that mental stability thing is often not brought up either. I mean, I, I had a time. A yeah, like even doing house gigs. Like if you're not going in there, like excited to be there, or like at least kind of stoked to work (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's super hard to be a great engineer you know yeah um and to do your best uh i i would also say that like specific reasons to say no to gigs i mean financially is one that like comes up for me a lot right yeah right maybe it
1: doesn't pay enough yeah
0: like I, i i kind of do a thing where like if if it's a local band that I'm super good friends with, I honestly say, like, yeah, I'll mix your... Like, if it's a local show, I'm super down. Just pay me... I I, I say, just pay me whatever you want, whatever you think is reasonable, and right. I'll come mix your show if I'm available. But if another gig comes in, you can't be mad at me for taking that to gig. To go take it, right. Yeah. So that's kind of how I handle, like, a local band asking me who I'm friends with. But, you know, um, that,
1: that's funny. There's There's a band that I've worked with now for over 10 years... Where I've yeah. never told them an amount to pay me, um, the first gig I ever did with them, I said, "You know pay me whatever you think it's worth, and um, you know they did, and they paid quite well, and now we're ten years later, and they pay better than some of the you know a list B list pop acts that I work with because they value it that much um, that's awesome yeah it's, I'm so fortunate to, to be able to work with those guys, but you know I would say as be, you be said, careful Joe, with that arrangement. So that payment. Oh yeah, I mean th- th- that that can go very 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 oh. sour. I got real fortunate yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know yeah. you don't have to keep working for them.
0: Yeah, true. That's true. the thing is if is yeah.
1: you do you do two gigs and you go oh you guys don't value this much all right yeah I'm done. Right. I guess I my, mean, my the,
0: point, caveat, the caveat is always like I can say no to the gig. Yeah. You know. Right. Right.
1: My, my know, point, which is going
0: to be be clear about the
2: financials.
1: You know, maybe that's another conversation. Totally.
2: But be be clear about that up front. Anyway. Yeah.
1: You know, to go with what you were saying though, Joe, you know, there's, there's, there's this thing for, well, you know, as you said, Brendan, yeah, there's the money, you know, if the money's not right, don't, don't take it. Uh, If the mental state that this gig might give you is not right, don't take it. If if it's just going to make you upset all the time, if it's going to make you mad, if it's going to make you frustrated, don't take it. Because you won't do the best job you can do if you are in any of those states, right? But then also, so here's another one that I, I know is a little bit crazy, but... I don't like taking tours that are too long. Oh, yeah. I don't do that well with being out for you know uh, f- thirteen weeks straight anymore. Um, a long, long time ago, I used to be super into that. I remember I did almost uh, eight months straight. I think I never went home for eight months uh, with an artist. Uh, nowadays, if it's more than five weeks, I need to come home for a couple of days at least. Uh, you yeah, know, com- uh, completely. If agree. a tour is too long, if a tour is too long, you know, be, be. Mentally prepared for that and and if if that is something you're willing to do, just understand what it means for your 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 well being for your finances i mean obviously long tours are great financially right you make lots of money, mm-hmm. but also sometimes a long tour that runs into another touring season might prevent you from taking another gig yeah. you know you might have a That's tour right. that starts in in January or something. And maybe it goes right into when the summer tours are starting to prep. And maybe you had another artist that you could have been taking for that summer tour. You know, just, just be sure to weigh all the options that exist. But at the same time, if you have nothing else coming up, you know, it, I understand the, the want to just take what's available to you. Just yeah. be aware that there are certain cycles to the touring season. And there are times when people do get hired uh, the most, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, make sure you stay on top of your calendar. Don't double book yourself. Oh, I've n- definitely done that before too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, you know,
1: you know one one thing I have a hard time with is when when people message me and they go, "Are you available for this time?" I say yes, and then um, I don't hear back. That's a that's a scary yeah. question. Because yeah. uh, and I get that question a lot. Where it sucks is that you want to hold that for them especially if there's someone that holds weight you know maybe they work for a big management company that has a bunch of artists that you really enjoy touring with yeah um so you know you want to hold it for them but then other stuff's going to come up and at that time you're going to have to push one of those things aside you may have to send an email back or a phone call back to that first guy and say hey i just got hit up for something else do you still need me to hold that you know be be willing to do those things to make sure you don't screw anyone you know definitely yeah
0: Definitely.
1: Um, the other thing I, I just wanted to throw in on this how to say no to a gig thing is um, I, don't, I don't like saying no to gigs. And the reason I don't like saying no to gigs is that um, people stop asking you if you're the guy who always says no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So usually if there's a gig that's come up and for some reason I can't do it, um, either, you know, if I'm already booked, Okay, I can tell them, hey, I'm already booked, but I'm free on this date. So I can, you know, come in and help you guys out if you need to, or whatever from this date onwards. If maybe, and this, this, this might even sound offensive to you guys. Maybe if the money's not right or maybe if there's something else about it I don't want to do. In those scenarios, what I usually do is I present them an option that they should never say yes to. I say, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be into doing it but the only way I can do it is if you fly me from this city to the first date and then out of that first date to this city and it needs to be this many dollars. Uh, and at that point, if they come through and actually hit those things, then yeah, I guess I should do it because they've kind of fulfilled my exorbitant request. If you know I mean, what I mean, that
0: makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, I've, yeah. I've there, you a- I, I don't know if you, try don't, if you don't ask. ask. Yeah. You got to ask. I mean, my philosophy is like, if it seems right to ask for more, try asking for more. And they can always, the only thing they can do is say no. And they're usually not going to be like, no, I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> Go away. Right? They'll yeah. be like, oh, we can't How do could that, you ask? can you do this? Yeah. How dare you? How could you? you ask for a
2: living wage? No. <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, I guess where it comes up for me is that, you know, I might have two days off on a tour or something like that. And someone else asks me if I can do a show in that spot. And I say, well, yes, but you need to cover me flying from here to here, and you need to cover this hotel, and you also need to make sure that you know, m- like my my wife can come or something like that, because those two days would have been days with her or something like that. You know, those right. kind of things they do come up, and I do that to preserve my own mental health. Really, yeah, it's all it really boils down to. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think before we close up, there's one last topic to hit, and. In my opinion, this is one of the most important factors that affects your ability to get a job, especially on tour. And that's the hang. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Yeah, just like, you know, be hanging, hanging out. Being able
0: to hang with the band or hang with the crew, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the a phrase I say probably all too often is two hours of the day is the show, 22 hours of the day is the hang if nobody likes having you around for the whole rest of the day nobody enjoys your company it doesn't matter if you absolutely kill it at the show because nobody's going to want you on on tour true so you know you got to remember that especially with touring gigs you live with your band you live with your crew if they don't like having you around i mean also think about the people you call when 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 you know there's an opening you call your friends first—the people you actually oh, yeah. want to be around on that tour. You, you go, mm-hmm. oh man, it would be awesome if this person was there. It would be so much fun to hang out with them, and obviously they'd kill it at their job.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean that's how I prioritize my thoughts, especially in music. Like that's, yeah. I mean, the whole goal of like working in music. I mean, for me and for a lot of people, I, I think is to have a good time, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I want to have fun while I'm doing my job. And I want to do it super seriously, but, you know, everything surrounding it is, like, for the, you know, the greater fun of, like, the audience and for everyone involved, you know, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%, man, but I I think that, you know, your social ability is probably, I don't know, I I maybe go as far as to say 60% of the gig, you know if people like having you around that's sixty percent of it, maybe maybe only thirty percent of its audio and thirty percent of it's troubleshooting.
0: and then that last
1: ten percent's the magic factor. I don't know
0: yeah no i I agree I agree like when I was saying before, when if you're not in a good mental state, it's so hard to like actually be good at your job because that's like so important to like have you know have that ability to like connect with people that you're you're working with especially people that you've just met like five minutes ago when they walked in like if you're working a venue gig you know yeah. they walk in the door yeah. you need to be kind of on it and like you know be able to hang from, become
1: immediate best friends yeah yeah i mean that that's the thing we brought up many times you know trust is a big thing in audio and and music and theater and all these things uh if you are socially really awkward it's harder for someone to just straight up trust you uh, and you know, if you're not in a great mental state to get along with people at any given time, it's going to be harder to build that trust. Yeah. I so, mean, I,
0: yeah. yeah, I'd say honestly hit the pause button and either reconsider or take a break. I mean, I, I, I had to do that too. Like I was doing a lot of gigs and there was a time when I stopped doing house gigs, like altogether, just cause I felt like that kind of grumpy engineer coming out of me. And I was like, whoa, right. Don't. Yeah put yourself in this situation because it's just going to turn out bad you know it's not yeah not yeah good. definitely no one wants to be around that yeah especially
2: on tour there's that level just like of you know not to, not not necessarily not being yourself but you know dialing your personality maybe back a little bit to you know to make it a little bit more comfortable living in close quarters with a bunch of people you know
1: mm. under stressful right. situations anyway yeah definitely I feel, I feel like that's a pretty good overview for, you know, the general gist of how to get a job in this audio world. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to it than this, but, you know, it's maybe take point. this into account with, the, with, with a lot of the other stuff that you've learned and the other stuff that's in this podcast, and maybe, uh,
0: maybe we'll catch you at a show. Yeah. Hope so. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. Follow us, share the podcast with your friends, and uh, catch you on the next one. Thanks, Thanks guys.